Hello and welcome. This time, the pipes, the pipes are screaming. As John Deere and Dave Thomas, that's me, travel to the remarkably Mediterranean-looking highlands of Scotland for legendary gothic horror pioneer Antonio Margaretti's 1973 hybrid Seven Deaths in the Cat's Eyes, aka Le Morte Negli Occhi del Gatto. Please join us. This will be your church, Father Robertson. Your Corinne. That's right. It's strange we never met before. But we have. It was a long time ago. You don't remember, I suppose. I was just a girl. She's very pretty and quite innocent. You're certainly dependable, aren't you? You don't mean just, just because I like girls. You do too, after all. Spoiler warning, as we will be uh, ruining the many third act revelations of the film and content warning for gendered violence, misogynistic language and animal cruelty. And egregious abuse of Scottish accents. We're very sorry. Here's the episode. Obviously, Seven Deaths in the Cat's Eye is considered Jallo adjacent uh, it's obviously relevant to our uh, relevant to our discussion by very virtue of the fact it's we have an episode on it mm. and while it has a number of Jallo trappings mm. you know, you know the, I can see there's often a, you know there's a, often a, a strong red or a strong green filter used in used in lighting uh, a, a, a cutthroat razor is used as a murder weapon uh, which is which is which is in keeping, and there's some quite problematic sexual politics uh, <laughs> go, going go, going on, which ticks in those boxes. Nevertheless, there's no way of getting away from the fact that this is, almost, I might say, almost to a cliche, no, purely to a cliche, a gothic thriller, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Uh, so, is the is the, the feeling here? We're bringing some part of Jalo sensibility style. Um, tropes into a gothic film, or is it uh, considered more of a shallow than for reasons other than what I've just what I've just said? Well, a good rule of thumb is uh, I had a look in my Troy Howarth Jallo book, and it's in there. Good. So okay. he considers it a Jallo, uh, and I also had a look in my uh, is it Roberto? Yeah, my Roberto Curti Italian Gothic book, and it's in there too. So it's both. Right. Okay. I mean, it's pure gothic. I'd have thought, yeah. but with just, yeah, yeah. just, just quite. But we know a cut for a razor is quite jalloy. Yeah. Um, problematic tits uh, are quite jalloy, and yeah, some of the some of the lighting I thought was the real uh, was was the real. But everything else, you've got, um, you know, uh, an isolated castle, rat infested dungeons, a curse, revenge, murder. Uh, are they dead? Potential vampires. It's gothic to an absolute fault, isn't it? A cat. <laughs> a cat. Yeah, a cat. And a, 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 a monkey cat. suit. Yeah, but let's get we'll, get. we'll get. We'll get on to the <laughs> get on to the gorilla uh, in a yeah. bit because that was fucking hell. That was a. That was a. That was a turn up that I did not see coming. Uh, it happens <laughs> in like the first twenty seconds. Anyway, um, 
fairly basic plot, but that's that's no that's no thing. A young lady uh, returns home to her family seat in 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 Scotland. Boy, are we not in Scotland? Uh, but so, did, but I, I just want to ask: Did you watch any of the English dub, or did you stick with the Italian? No, I watched the English dub. Oh my god, isn't it amazing? It is amazing. It, it, I, I was. Uh, I decided. I've. I've. As I've said to you on previous occasions, normally, I, I, before doing these, I was. I was hard against dubbing. I like to hear the the original, the original voice, the original inference. Take you take the emotion from that. But as as you've pointed out, that's a hiding to nothing. When often these films are done in sixteen different languages within the making of them, yeah, uh, and they're done as well. So I've I've found a new way of enjoying myself on just like how I learned to stop worrying and love dubbing. Um, but the dubbing in this is something else, particularly from the, from the, <laughs> from, from, from the I, I scarcely want to call them locals, uh, other than the fact that there's a strong Mediterranean feel to this part of Scotland and, yep. and given this is also 1973 perhaps Lord Summer Isle would do better to move here and grow his fucking apples <laughs> um, because I suspect the climate is a lot more forgiving for fruit trees than it is somewhere off the coast whatever, wherever off, off the coast that, that Summer Isle is in, in, in the Wickham anyway mm. we're allegedly in a very um, Mediterranean part of Scotland, uh, with uh, uh, the young Jane Birkin, who's she must be the only uh, British actress or British actor in 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 this piece, right? Pretty much, I think. Yeah, I think everyone else is German, French, German or Italian, or Italian, or French, yeah, yeah. Um, which I'm assuming it's a German, Italian, French production. Or, or um, I think it's I think it's primarily German, uh, Italian, and German. Um, the, the, the notable, the noteworthy uh, French presence uh, is the redoubtable Inspector Serge McGainsbourg. Oh, <laughs> we'll, come, we'll come on to the facts. <laughs> yes, the second the second I raised was, was was after the gorilla was who plays the police inspector. I yep. did not see Serge Gainsbourg to turn to turn up. And the dubbing for him is is perfect because uh, it might as well be our Will, our Willie. Uh, yeah. Who, um, who, just, uh, I'm, Lord I'm, McCree, I discovered the identity of the murderer. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 something else. Most interesting. Now, my only purpose in coming was to collect the death certificates. They should be ready, I think, my lady. Only now, as I'm sure you'll understand, we're going to have to open the coffin. Oh, no! And... You mustn't do that! Uh, may I ask you why, miss? Is there some reason not to? Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, Jane, with the, the incredibly uh, Gallic name, Corina, Corina. Corina um, or Coringa? It's, it's oh, Coringa, is it? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. That's, I don't, I've, I've never heard the name Coringa. Anyway, um, she returns uh, home uh, from her posh finishing school somewhere in, in Europe, which actually can't be that far from where we are anyway. Um, uh, having been expelled, which is not going to tell her, tell her mum that. Her mum's, norm, they normally live in London, but the mum is staying with her sister, Sir Coringa's aunt, who owns the castle. And that's Lady McGreef. McGreef. <laughs> You have to roll the R to really get the. If only Sylvester McCoy was here, he was exactly as, 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 as well. But Lady McGreef is being urged to sell the castle because she's on her uppers, 
like a lot of uh, like a lot of um, you know, aristocracy. Actually, that's a really quite that's a seventies thing, isn't it? It's a post post war. The aristocracy can't afford to do shit anymore. It's like in mm. Britain where they've they've spent the last twenty years selling selling their properties to to the National Trust or or whatever equivalents we have, mm. um, taxed until and squeezed until the pips squeak. Uh, anyway, she's being told to 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 to, to sell the castle, but she 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 doesn't she doesn't want to, um, uh, and. Well, that's that's it as far as sort of the setup goes. I think mm. among the, the cast we meet, uh, ladies, Lady Mary's son, Lord James, who's proper radio rental, uh, like a gothic villain, lives in almost in isolation at the at the top of one of the one of the one of the castle turrets, mm. having essentially being seen as mad because he killed his sister when he was a child. Um, there's a local priest who's just turned up. To hang out with them as well because they're Catholics. There's a doctor who looks after James, played by Anton Differing, mm-hmm. uh, always playing, always playing Nazis, and <laughs> and assures there's a there's a Doctor Who spot in this there for Doctor Who fans. Absolutely. Uh, and of course, there's a forgive the language, a slutty French teacher, yes. uh, self self described <laughs> slutty French teacher, played by very obviously by a German. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Doris, Doris, Doris Kuntzman. Yeah, uh, right, so that's what I, that's brilliant as well. Who I've seen, who I remember, who plays uh, Eva Braun in Hitler the last ten days. That's right. Uh, yeah, which I was. Oh, I know her. That's good as well. That was, uh, and a variety of servants, all of whom have terrible accents, none of whom are Scottish. Yes, my and, my favourite is which is uh, so uh, Lu- Luciano Pagotti, who we've seen a number of times at this point. Who is right, yeah. the, you know the Italian Peter Lorre uh, playing yes. Angus the Coachman. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, that's a that's a brilliant opening when they, they arrive at the castle and there's like there's a, like they're trying to make it look dramatic uh, in the sort of you know Harker arriving at at, at Castle Dracula, um, sort of but. It's, you know, it's it's not got the the same budget or the same the same resource resources, uh, and he talks about coming coming to the family home and Angus crosses himself and mm. she says, "What did you do that for?" And it says, "That's just a local custom." <laughs> what crossing you? Says, yeah. Anyway, as they arrive at the castle, her presence is noted by by a gorilla. <laughs> By a gorilla that lives in a room because James took it off the circus that was in town two years before, mm-hmm. after it also killed someone. And then Lord James McGreef saw some kindred spirit with this and decided to lock it up as it as it um, obeys him, apparently. Mm. Uh, and he decided to call it James after himself, which is just, if you're trying to do a summary of the plot, makes it also a bit awkward. <laughs> Uh, the annoying thing about the gorilla that lives upstairs with James and is such, you know, uh, a, a striking feature of the film is that it plays almost zero <laughs> points in the story. I kept waiting for the gorilla to like have a like. There's gonna be there's gonna be some twist with the. Gor- I thought the gorilla at some was gonna have like some point in the doom. But it just gets killed mm. uh, almost. Almost pointlessly, it's like sub subservient. And anyway, uh, for some reason, which will become clear, sort of, um, people in the household are being bumped off by an unknown assailant. Um, the only linking thing is the cat uh, that lives in the house witnesses 
uh, each of the deaths. Uh, and if you're wondering how many deaths there are, there are seven deaths because we're told that in the in in, in the title. Indeed, an unknown character is killed in the opening in the opening scene and their body dumped in the in the um in the cellar to be devoured very very quickly but notably gruesomely by rats mm. and it turns up turns out that uh there's a curse on the on, on the mcgriefs and that if a mcgrief is killing other mcgriefs for reasons we're not quite clear of yet then the legend says they will turn into a vampire, which uh, we're we're told over dinner in somewhat enforced info dumping. Uh, but I'll try not to be too too difficult about that. Um, as uh, Coringa arrives home and befriends everyone, it isn't long before uh, she discovers the body in the cellar through a secret passage. A wonderful, wonderfully gothic that she then can't find later, and her mother is bumped off. Uh, very quickly that was a, that was a surprise death of mum dying she's the mm. second like, the second victim uh and then the possibility that after the mum is quickly buried uh the doctor fakes the reason for death saying it's natural causes rather than we know they were murdered they were smothered in that one rather than those so that you could have some ambiguity about it put in the family vault uh but then it's believed that she may be a vampire and indeed the body has been moved when we next next find out about it um that's when Serge Gainsbourg turns up as a as a as an offensively Scottish police police, inspe- <laughs> police inspector, uh, and not really having any any material news of them. What was the process of casting Serge Gainsbourg? Was he just like hanging out with Jane Birkin? Or so you know? from from it, that that appears to be the case. Yeah. So but Birkin was uh, was cast originally because um, she was sort of acting around Europe at the time, and. Obviously, at that point, she was still involved with with him. And according to the director, uh, Antonio Margaretti, who we will talk we more about, digital. he just kind of turned up to visit and said, why don't you put me in your movie? So he wrote him a couple of scenes and there we have a visibly drunk Frenchman playing a Scottish police inspector. Uh, which is rather marvellous. I think also there was a bit of kind of stunt casting um, behind it as well, because it, it this was probably about four or five years out from Jetem, uh which had been particularly notorious in Italy. It had actually been seized by the authorities at one point as obscene. So, um, so yeah, they they had a certain uh, notoriety as a couple, which presumably because you know they, I don't believe they were ever married, and obviously Italy no. being you know heavily Catholic and uh, and such things being. Uh, visibly forbidden by a polite society if not uh if not the seedy underbelly that we're exploring as part of you know the the, the regular cadence of the podcast um so i think yeah probably he just saw an opportunity to be like we can put serge gainsbourg's name on the poster as well and people will be outraged and thus go and see it yeah um let's probably talk about the director uh then because uh, we've not come across him before have we um, we we have not no the- Antonio Antonio Margaretti or as he seems to be in most of his his films Anthony Dawson correct yeah uh, so presumably he's Italian uh, <laughs> he's but, indeed um, I had a quick look through his 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 resume and boy there's some shit there isn't there uh, he uh, he has a sort of a, a line in sort of those sort of like, what do they call them sword and sandal um, sort of epics yeah. But, but then he goes into what can be described as basically knocked off uh, horror and sci-fi 
on off the back of you know he, uh, you know off the back of a of a successful science fiction film. He'll yeah, there'll be then follow up. There'll be then straight to video follow ups. And I do want to see Treasure Island in outer space. Um, yes, I've I've never come across that one. I have just okay. got literally just got Alien from the Deep because Severin literally put it out like three weeks ago. So I'm quite excited for in the in the in the wake of Aliens. Yes, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, virtual, um, virtu- sorry, virtual weapon was his last credited film, uh, but it stars the boxer Marvin Hagler, <laughs> who isn't an actor, but it's but it's a black and white cop, scops. Sorry, yeah, yeah. So it's going it's going for lethal weapon. It's lethal weapon, uh, it, but, yes. yeah. But 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 like a bit more sci-fi, and rather than an actor, they've gone for a heavyweight boxer. Yeah. So I do. I, I do want to see that. Anyway, uh, with all that weird and wonderful um, uh, entries on, it, on on his CV, um, who is who is Antonio Margheriti, and what's he doing directing Seven Cat- Deaths in the Cat's Eyes? Well, so th- this is a little bit of an excuse to talk about Margheriti. To be honest, I mean, as sort of fifty. You shoehorn jab- this in. As a, I have as a bit, personal yeah. project. Fair enough. Um, uh, because you are you are right. Certainly, in the latter part of his career, uh, his eighties output is very much. Uh, what the Italian film industry was pretty much doing at that point, which is what's done well in America, let's have one of those, but for kind of a 20th of the budget. And that's what mm. you get, you know, stuff like Enzo Castellari's, you know, Great White, which is the movie that Universal sued to stop coming out because it was such a, a egregious Jaws knockoff. Um, and, you know, lots of Rambo-esque, uh, Conan-esque, you name it-esque, uh, Mad Max-esque, I saw, I, yeah, I saw uh, a, a mix-up of what is basically Ram, Rambo and Indiana Jones mm. uh, called Ark of the Sun God. Yes, yeah. yes, which is which Arrow just put out on Blu-ray not My that God. long ago. It was Arrow, no, it was eighty-eight films. Sorry, uh, who do some fabulous extras, by the way. They do. Um, they also do Seven Cats, Seven Deaths in the Cat's Eyes, by the way. They did indeed. Yeah, yes. Um, but his his earlier career is well. Yeah, I don't want to say a bit more interesting because I like the eighties shit as well. But in his sort of kind of 60s career, because he'd been around for a while, he, he was born in, in Rome in 1930. And he's very much uh, a contemporary of, of people like Ricardo Freda and, and Mario Bava. And mm. if, if you actually look at, if you break down his filmography by sort of volume, sci-fi is probably the biggest, uh, the biggest thing in there. But as well as the kind of 80s stuff, he also did this series of kind of bonkers 60s kind of pop art, you know, lounge music in space movies, things like War of the Planets and Wild Wild Planet, which are terrific. Um, what he's probably most remembered for otherwise is he's he is the sort of Italian gothics that he did around the time that Barva was doing, you know, Black Sunday and... and uh, Whipping the body and and Freda was doing horrible Doctor Hitchcock and and things like that and and those are genuinely brilliant. Right. Um, Castle of Blood uh, with uh, Danza Macabra with Barbara Steele, which is long overdue a Blu-ray release, which is a really fantastic film. Um, and Long Hair of Death, which I'm pretty sure someone involved in The Wicker Man has seen. Uh, given how that movie ends, probably not Robin Hardy because previous refer to previous episodes. Um, but it definitely maybe feels Schaefer, like... Maybe Schaefer saw it. Yeah, quite possibly because it, it essentially, spoiler for uh, Long Hair of Death, the bad guy gets kind of burned in effigy at the end in a very Wicker Man-esque 
sequence and it's really ter- it's really really terrific highly I, I highly recommend that one to anyone who hasn't hasn't seen it and again like things like virgin of nuremberg um so like yeah a, a lot of sort of seminal gothic italian gothic horror um on a par with what Barb Barva was doing, to be honest. Um, he's quite similar to Barva in a lot of ways because he was a special effects guy. He liked, you know, doing model making and opticals in the, in the same way that Barva did. So his films kind of have that very striking visual look. Um, and, you know, and, and as a lot of Italian directors did, kind of working with peanuts in the 80s for, you know, g- give us like cheaper missing in action too. You know, there was was you know the kind of brief. Is, there's not a lot. To, there's not a lot you can do with that. But so his early stuff is is fabulous. Um, he kind of the, the the route to this I think is kind of interesting. Uh, Castle of Blood, which is absolutely terrific, but it, it essentially um, Ed, the the plot of that one. Edgar Allan Poe goes to a bar and gets challenged to stay in anointed a haunted castle, and he goes there and something horrible happened you know i think it's a hundred years ago that very night um and it all kind of plays out with with ghosts while he's there and barbara steals in it it's it's really wonderful it actually was not a massive success at the time so in 1971 he and a producer the same producer had made that remade it as a film called web of the spider which was <laughs> was also a pretty massive flop um and so he could web of the spider is also like that's not a that's not a title that invokes terror that's mm. a, that's that's just a saying some something that 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 it that it, that it is it's mm. like attack of the spider or mm. you know like web of the spider it's it's not a it's not a, not a euphemism nor is it a simile nor a metaphor it's just mm. it's saying what the it's associating yeah. something with another that's the same that's that that is already associated that's you know, yeah web of the spider so he kind of came off that and another project kind of fell through and 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 this sort of came up and i think it was sort of an opportunity to sort of do something that he was pretty familiar with which was obviously the gothic but kind of add a different element which so get, get away from it's all ghosts you know it's actually because obviously the big twist is it's not ghosts at all yes, it's yes. it's it, there there is a a a corporal corporeal killer who's using the uh using the curse kind of scooby-doo style to uh to thin out uh and and specifically kill uh a a particular character to you know for financial gain <laughs> i mean inevitably we'll spoil it so so um he'd done one other jello before this in the 60s which is a film called variously uh the young the evil and the savage or in some territories it's known as naked you die which is quite a lurid title for a film that's actually not particularly lurid it's very it's that kind of late 60s sort of a little bit sexy jello the, the film that it reminds me most of is, is like one of those sort of german crimmies like the what it's not quite as silly as the one that we watch but it is very much in that vein of it's a girl's boarding school and someone's killing people off while they're running about trying to kind of sleep with the teachers so um so it's a bit it's a it's very slight even by the standards of, of sort of unmemorable jello um so so yeah th- th- this is kind of his his one standout if you like contribution to the jello is why if he, if he was or if you're saying he was um uh comparable to barva why does he not have the, 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 the same reputation that is a great question i mean i think if you're a big euro gothic nerd he probably does he's not as well seen i think that's because 
one or two of his films. I mean, Long Hair of Death's had a couple of different Blu-rays and um, Virgin of Nuremberg has as well. The Castle of Blood is the one that's kind of MIA, which is a shame because it's probably his best film. It had an ancient DVD years ago in the US and I don't think it's had any other release since, um, which is a great shame. But yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's well known, like the sci-fi films are out there on, on DVD at least, um, the kind of the goofy 60s ones. And, you know, a few of his Westerns are kind of out there. I think it's just the you know he he's he's just slightly too much one of those guys who did a lot of other stuff. Okay. Um, like he isn't, he isn't associated with uh, the horror in the or the you know, even the subgenre of the horror in the way that Barber is or the way that no because this, this is the thing Barber made other things as well. Mm. Um, you know he did you know he did a pirate movie he did the odd kind of western he did some kind of goofy comedies and things and I, but i think with barber i mean you know his, his career by the 70s was sort of very much winding down and you know he sort of died you know relatively young without you know sort of his his fa- his fame already set almost and then at the time that that you still had you know argento and Fulci making films that you know t- to a certain extent were still kind of fated and seen you know certainly in the 80s he was that was when he was making you know hunters of the golden cobra um you know so it's kind of understandable that that he sort of his reputation was sort of ended up with the sort of the the luigi cozzi's and the enzo castellari's because all, all those guys you know and the umberto lenses that they all made like great films at a certain point in their career but then they did a lot of shit in the 80s um so they all kind of get lumped together as you know, it's 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 kind of Italian exploitation trash, which, if you like that, is great. But, you but know, what you're a, saying is, but that's what Ita- Italy was known for anyway. So presumably, quite a lot of the directors are doing that. Oh yeah, the, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's that's yeah. pretty much unless you were doing something sort of very niche and art house. That's pretty much all you could get hired to do in Italy in the eighties, unless you were at Argento and you could still set up, you know, fairly big films. Mm. So was he brought on board this to this project, or did he did he instigate it? Um, I think he was kind of relatively instrumental in the kind of setup. Although um, there's a, there's a wonderful quote from him um, where he says, "I'm a slave to my producers, a prostitute." Uh, it's if if it's for money, my answer is yes. <laughs> so Sorry. so they they you know it was a payday. He you know it's like gothic. I do that. Uh, he shot it in a castle where I believe he'd shot. Um, the Virgin of Nuremberg, so he was pretty familiar with the locations. It wasn't uh, something, you know, it was, it, it was, I think it was fairly familiar territory after he'd had a, a, a couple of, you know, sort of not very major successes and, you know, it's like had a relatively, for, for 1973, I think this was, you know, it's got, it's got a cast of, of faces you recognize. I mean, like it's got Anton yeah. Differing, it's got yeah. you know Jane Birkin. So I think yeah, that was pretty. It's got Hiram Keller in the brief flush of fame from uh, Fellini Satyricon that ended pretty much after this. So uh, you know it's um, you know it, it's got a few things going for it. It's from a story. The, the, the story is or is credited to by a book by Peter Bryan, mm. um, who worked for Hammer, didn't he? Is it the camera guy for Hammer? Uh, so yeah, this this is kind of interesting. Um, yes, he was indeed a camera operator at Hammer, who then kind of moved into 
uh, writing uh, later yeah. on. So he did, you know, screenplay for stuff like Brides of Dracula and Plague of the Zombies. And the, one of my favourite non-hammer terrible films, The Blood Beast Terror, uh, which is the one where Peter Cushing fights a Wehrmoth, played by UFO's Wanda Ventham. Not just but, UFO's Wanda Ventham. She appears in three Doctor Who stories, I want to say. Um She's Cassandra's mum in Only Fools and Horses. She's very Cassandra. Oh yeah, and her son's and her son's Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I only say that because the thing I primarily know, I was, know from I know is, I is UFO. Yes, but, uh, yes. but um, uh, also wrote the screenplay is for. A, is that a, is that a Tygon film? Uh, yes, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. And, and also wrote the screenplay for Trog, which is the Freddie Francis movie that basically Joan Crawford stopped acting after she was in. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Oh, did but, he adapt um, Hannah Baskerville's the Hannah yes, Baskerville? Yeah, he did. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all of which is kind of irrelevant because it's entirely probable that there was no book that this was based on, and if they oh, were okay. kind of shopping it around and saying, "Oh, it's based on a novel called Karinga by the esteemed author Peter Byron," it's, it's entirely possible they didn't even really know that there was a peter byron who wrote stuff for hammer it was just like you know it, it has literary origins it can't be bad seems to have been the approach they were taking so it. he had no involvement in this N- not as far as anyone can find out and, and various writers on the subject have, have delved quite deeply uh, into did the book in exist and their answer is apparently no which is not to be fair that's 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 not the the, the only uh italian film of this era that was doing that they would quite often just make something up because it sounded good <laughs> but because they're just ripping off poe basically I, I, yeah it, well, it, well indeed so the idea i suppose they're saying to draw up money we've got a we've got a guy who we, this is from a story from a guy who wrote for hammer yeah that seems likely that seems the likeliest outcome of the, of the, the likeliest uh reasoning it's not the most legally watertight of, uh, of of plans is it i suppose but it seems to seems to have worked hopefully yeah. because hopefully peter bryan won't notice it's yeah. well them. don't forget this is a national cinema that literally got sued for making a jaws ripoff that was yeah. just jaws um, <laughs> so yeah i mean and also like the last thing that peter bryan had written at that point was trog so i don't know that that would necessarily have helped much if they were <laughs> Okay, in, so in terms of uh, you said it was a, a, an Italian and German production, predominantly. Mm. So there was sort of like I mean the cast the cast is French and German. There aren't there, I mean of all the, the smaller parts are they Italians? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, right. You've got you know Luciano Pagotzi. I think uh, there's there's someone who I think one of the servants called Janet. Uh, who's played Janet? by an, yes. played by an Italian Bruno Boschetti as policeman with mustache. Um, so, so yeah, but but as you say, you know, you had like Doris Kuntzman. It just turns into a carry on sketch without you doing anything, doesn't it? Um, it's perfect. And, and uh, who who is having an illicit affair with the Doctor, played by Anton Differing, and boy, is she barking up the wrong tree? Um, well, y- yes, yes. Perhaps she perhaps she felt safer um, when he. When Anton Differin buries his face in her bosom, uh, <laughs> presumably it feels either because it's you know there's it's not going to do much for Tony, is it? Yeah. Um, uh, and, and also that that particular scene where they are they are observed uh, plotting and, and scheming against 
Lady McGriff, who um, Anton Dufresne's Dr. Franz is is in some sort of relationship with, although it mostly seems to be kind of mutual scheming because they have dirt on each other. Um, but I love that scene because they're, they're playing a record, which I assume is supposed to be like their sexy get on music. And it's this, mo- this, this sort of oh, bizarre yes, the, like the circus. God, it's so funny. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um. <laughs> we'll see later. If James or his mother turn out to be guilty, we'll have to go. But if we do, we'll be together. You're absolutely on fire tonight, my darling. I, I, I mean, I assume like there's. I was trying to think of sort of the thing to. Um, have the gorilla there, and like one of the thing, the, the gothic trappings that they, they mm. don't quite work like like the music. And mm. one of the things I wondered was, is are you meant to think uh, the gorilla's the killer? Um, and but that doesn't really hold water because you see like the killer stalking with like an opening like a cutthroat razor, yeah, or, exactly. smother, or smothering with a pillow. Yeah. Uh, but the only point I could think of for the for the for the gorilla was that they was to be like a, a red herring and it wasn't mm. also do they refer to it as an orangutan at some point yes they do they yeah. do yeah it is not but they only point. had they only had a gorilla suit so yeah i mean it's not a gorilla <laughs> either but at least it's, it's but it's meant to be a gorilla yeah 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 um yeah um oh actually there, there is an italian actor playing uh father robertson um which oh yeah, the uh, killer. Sorry, yes, yes, of yes, 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 the killer. Uh, yeah, the killer, is the, the killer is a. Well, the killer isn't the priest. No, no. We find out that the person at the beginning who we didn't know is the priest, mm. and Father Robertson is dead, and this gentleman has taken his place because he uh, isn't the heir, but he's another McGrief, and he wants to. Um, yes, he's he's the lost McCreef who's come back to kill them all so that he can inherit, particularly uh, the inheritance that Jane Birkin Coringa is is going to uh, come into, but blame it on the curse. Hence the sort of I think killing and then stealing of the body of of her mother. Uh, so they all think it was the old man Peabody from the amusement park. Um, but why then? But why then kill waste time killing Suzanne and Doctor France? Why not just kill? Lady Mary, James, and Coringa. Uh, now that's a great question. I am just looking back through my notes. Sorry, I just keep. I just kept writing down. Expect a surge, McGainsborg, and that's distracting me now. I believe it's because. So, in the case of Doctor Franz, and I don't know that this actually has any bearing on the ultimate outcome, but he was going to go to the police because uh, James as it turns out, who is treated as mad because he killed his sister, actually didn't kill his yeah, sister, it was the mother. Was, yeah. uh, and he had faked the death certificate. Uh, and presumably that is going to come out because he also faked the death certificate for uh, uh, Lady Alicia, covering his mother. Is anyone still listening? Um, but he was only going to do that because when Lady Mary finds he's shagging Suzanne. That's true. 
but then I suppose, I mean, you know, part of it too is I think Father Robertson, a.k.a. the the lost McCreef, is pretty much meant to be like, you know, a nutter anyway. So uh, fine. I'm just it's even if like Dr. Franz exposes the fact that her son didn't kill his mm. his sister, it was the mother. Mm. Does that? make any difference to to the other guy great question <laughs> uh, it's email I mean, us at do i see you know <laughs> that involves you have to watch watch this which i mean the film is worth a watch it's oh jaw, it's jaw-droppingly ridiculous but huge fun yes uh, uh but you and know, it looks stunning because it's an it antonio it, it looks great it's it, it's it is dripping with horror with 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 gothic cliche yeah. Um, but it's and and all and all the better for it. With the added um, uh, frisson of yellow lighting, there's a lovely bit mm. where Jay goes into the cellar and she's there's just there's a big there's a huge green light. Actually, no, it goes into the mausoleum, doesn't it? And there's a huge mm. group. There's like that, that green light on her. Uh, it's yeah. lovely. That's a lovely piece. And sort of there's a, the bit at the end as well where when uh, Father Robertson sort of actually confronts her in in the the cellar with the the body and he's holding a, a colored sort of art deco lamp and yes, as they're kind yes, of walking yes. around it it's kind of it, I, I don't know what the sort of diegetic music equivalent is for lighting but it sort of as they're walking around it of course it's casting sort of alternating sort of red and green on them it's fantastic it is yeah i mean there's no reason for him to be holding that light but it doesn't, no. matter. It doesn't matter it's it's really it's it's, it's it's really effective also it's really inefficient going yeah. around a dungeon <laughs> Or oh, sorry, a cellar yeah. that that way because it's not a great bit of lighting. But wherever he got it from, it's it's yeah. definitely worth it. And it, and I, it might be the best opening shot of anything that we've done. Like the the cobwebs on the the iron gate, and then it's suddenly just kind of Scream. splattered with blood. Yeah. yeah. And then the kind of camera, you know, focus changes, and you see through the cobwebs to the the, the kind of crit behind. It's oh god, it's it's so good. <laughs> Is there a trope? Of cutting to a an innocent creature watching, like a um, in this case the cat, mm. you cut to the cat observing, uh, and which in the most famous example is probably um, cutting to Jones as Harry Dean Stanton's character is is, is killed in Alien. Mm. Um, well, I'm not I'm... suggesting they they nicknamed directly. I'm asking is that is is it is that com is that more common than I have otherwise observed? I mean, it's it's that's very much throughout the, all of the kind of Corman Poe films and a lot of right, okay, yeah. things that are referencing them, which this is massively doing. Mm. Um, I mean, even down to, you know, the slightly shit, but I love it anyway example is is uh, Hammer with the numbers filed off uh, Shadow of the Cat, um, the John Gilling <laughs> film with, with uh, Barbara Shelley, which has a, the, the cat is, I mean, it's quite hard to make a cat scary anyway. I know films spend a lot of effort trying um but even for you know given that the cat in shadow of the cat is just adorable um and and doesn't look in any way threatening even though uh andrew Merrill is terrified of it (laughs) that's 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 true um you say cats are adorable and you are a cat lover that's true Um, but you know cats are the fundamental accoutrement of 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 a witch yeah, uh, they, they, yeah, they carry they carry sinister undertones. You know, in Egyptian mythology, they're the they're the sort of guardians of the underworld. Um, there is something sinister potentially about about a cat, and I think they, they signify cat, they signify evil in Disney movies all the time, and that's just cat racism. 
Fair enough. That's as well. I think it's. I think it helped a cat sort of like sort of bland um, expression, a standoffish nature, uh, a certain um, uh, guardedness about a cat. There's just, there's a, mm. there's a moral ambiguity about 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 a cat. Whereas it's a true. dog is either loving or savage. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, there's there's no escape from the fact that that cats are murdering little psycho bastards. But they're also so cute. Yeah. Um, and but you say it, that as a cat lover, there are people who will, yes. who will, who will yeah, see yeah. that. You know, yeah. I, you know, I, I, the every time I watch a you know a Nazi war movie, I'm like, I want to fuss the guard dogs. They're like, because like, <laughs> I because I love German shepherds and they're beautiful. They're beautiful creatures. And they're not oh, who's oh, look he, his ears. Who's a good boy? Oh. <laughs> I love I love their ears and their fuzzy and their stick. Yeah. Um, so I so there's a certain level of sort of individual projection I think onto the, na- the yes. nature. Yes. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Whereas you know, cutting to a cat, seeing something that a human would um, d- believe to be horrible, and they're barely blinking. And the cat's uh, like, "I'm going to eat that guy's face." <laughs> yep. That's 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 cats. Yep. Fair enough. Uh, which makes them effective, if nothing mm. else. Uh, as, but then, as you know, as a gothic trope, you know, having a, you know, it's not a black cat. Enough. Actually, that's another thing. It's not a sleek, like, you know, Burmese, is it? No, it's no, quite no. a fat. <laughs> yeah. House it, was, cat. It, it was one of Antonio Margheriti's personal cats. Was is, it? Is what right. it was. Yeah, it's called okay. Mushy. Mushy. And it was okay. very adorable. Because I, I quite like that because I, I often wonder, you know, particularly in older movies when maybe the sort of animal uh regulations particularly in sort of european films were not all that they might have been oh well i hope that cat was okay but it's like well if it's the director's cat i'm sure he was just getting tickles off everybody and it's it's all very cute but that doesn't really add to the (laughs) atmosphere of the film it, it, it isn't it isn't a scary cat no it's really not it is it is quite a it is it is quite a cute cat um what haven't we covered? Um, well, they, 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 there's the even a point cast. at one point where yeah. where the cat, the, the, um, Karinga has a nightmare about her mother and, and the cat. The vampire, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. And, and it's in bed with her. And, and they're trying to kind of do the, you know, the cat is, you know, the kind of cat sides, you know, Stephen King thing. And it's like, yeah, he just wants a fuss. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. He gets in bed with her and he, like, he goes up behind her and it's just like, there was one Oh, it's going for Mr. Cuddles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like meant to have a vampire coming, like you know, superimposed over the uh, yeah. superimposed over the the fire the fireplace. And oh, he's scared. He wants he wants he wants cuddles. Yeah, that, that that was actually something Margaretti was was quite upset about because he and, and previously with Web of the Spider, he he'd wanted to do some. He had because I said he's sort of technical optical wizardry um and he'd actually had some ideas around using the kind of three strip technicolor process to do some kind of quite crazy psychedelic you know make this sort of much more unsettling but there was none of the labs in italy would actually print technicolor at the time they'd all kind of abandoned it because it was too expensive so he ended up just kind of it's just a cat and a shadow um it's still cool but yeah it's uh it's it's much less uh kind of uh unsettling than it might have been so that so you can as you can draw a sort of um a parallel from as his later career went with the sort of film industry of italy of ripping off hollywood mm. this is sort of ripping off roger coleman 
Yeah, very much the Corman Poe thing, yeah. which had been huge in Italy. I mean, that's really, you know, the kind of, well, the kind of snake eating its own tail in a way, you know, sort of Barbara Steele had been in Black Sunday, Mask of Satan, which was was huge hit in the US uh, in the AOP edited version. So Roger Corman cast her in uh, The Pit and the Pendulum with Vincent Price, which was then very successful in, in Italy. So then, you know, she kind of became really the face of, of Eurogothic and, and uh, you know, Margaretti had used her twice in, in uh, film. So, yeah, I think he's, you know, he's, he's kind of freestyling Poe in this. I mean, the, the gorilla is murders in the room all right. So, I mean, it's just, it's all, it, it's, it's all connected, but... Um, uh, yeah, I don't think he was too chuffed with the gorilla suit either. I think it was sort of turned up on the day we've got a gorilla suit, and he's like, oh, "Fine." I mean, as he said, he'd do he'd do anything for money. So, <laughs> uh, well, apparently he would. Yes. Um, are we meant to know any of the other actors? I mean, were they were they well famous in their time? I know we know who Jane, but we know we as Brits know who Jane Birkin is. We don't mm-hmm. say know who Sage, uh, Sage Gainsbourg is. Uh, I know who discussed Doris Kunzman and Anton Differing. Um, many yep. them notes. But of the others, so you said, is it Hiram Keller? Who's yeah? So so Hiram Keller didn't have much of a career as as far as I know, and he's not someone that I really recognise because you know he he's famous from you know a proper film, not the shit that I watch. So, um, uh, but he yeah, so he'd been kind of spotted by Fellini uh and is in Satyricon uh and then he has kind of yeah and then he had kind of a a brief career pretty much working in Europe uh subsequent to that which lasted a few years to be honest I don't really know what happened to him after that I mean he was he sort of lived until the 90s but uh um, yeah, I mean, he kind of pops up occasionally in in you know he's in uh, Smile Before Death, which is another uh, That's a good, good one. Uh, you know, Silvio Amado's Smile Before Death, which is you know sort of noteworthy. Um, but yeah, not not a, I mean, you know, he 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 pops up quite a lot playing characters called Hiram, which seems remarkably unoriginal. Um, but yes, I mean Satyrican. The Satyrican and the the two Jally are probably the things that he's best known for, right? So where's he? Um, where's he from? He's American. Um, oh, he's, he's, okay. He's apparently from uh, Georgia. Um, so yes, I mean you know very egregiously doesn't have the Scottishness. He has a very sort of RP. Um, fancy poshness which i've i've noticed actually because i was watching something else the other day um where as i've been i've been working my way through the uh, uh the todd slaughter back catalog and um uh the, the, the their kind of burke and hair with the numbers filed off movie which is another one with some very uh weekly rep scottish accents um but the it's sort of the the juvenile lead is the one that doesn't have to do scottish or irish um so so clearly if you're if you're young and you're meant to be you know the the romantic lead you don't have to do an accent it's okay um so, clearly, beautiful to act yes exactly you're handsome you can't be scottish um <laughs> i know uh, anyway Yes, yeah, so I, so, but he was American. I hope so he was cast. He was just working in 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 and around Italy. Or, or yeah, or I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. I think he I think he pretty much just come off Satyricon when he got cast right, in this. Uh, so you know, and and th- there is a bit of that in in some kind of Italian uh, 
the more exploitation stuff where it's like oh you've been in a film with like a proper director we should cast you in in something because of course jane birkin's in blow up right so yeah indeed yes um so you know there's a there's a there's a certain starry quality of people who are mostly cast for their looks rather than their acting at the Mm. kind of top of the the cast sheet um and anton differing of course is great value because you know everything from hammer films to every effete nazi in every sort of 70s war movie and doctor who so and and a particularly poor doctor who (laughs) silver nemesis the the last classic doctor who cyberman story from 1980 oh yes yes of course where he plays um uh, a nazi who's been holed up in uh in in south america but comes to comes to southeast of england to retrieve the the nemesis statue but a Cyberman wants it. Well, the Cybermen want it as well, as does a, a time-traveling uh, woman from 1688 also mm. wants it. As I forget how she's... Well, it's 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 complicated. Um, <laughs> I love that we're discussing seven deaths in the cat's eye, and it's like, that's complicated. Um, yeah, yeah, that's as well. Um, yeah, it, it, it was meant to be Doctor Who's 25th anniversary story. Right. Um, because it was meant to... Uh, that um, Lady Painfort has... has, has um, she knows his, she knows the doctor's name was the was the tease mm-hmm. uh, and she'll reveal the secrets of the doctor but no one really cares and it doesn't become really a thing <laughs> uh, that- coupled with coupled with the fact that that the season of doctor who opens with remembrance of the daleks which is set immediately or just just after the first story the doctor goes back to the original the original place hmm. Um, the, the 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 junkyard in Totters Lane, mm. uh, and there's references directly to to that. So that's far more in keeping in the anniversary than anything that Silver Nemesis does. But anyway, uh, there's some sort of showbiz casting as John Nathan Turner, the producer, was one to do. But one of the things he gets right is uh, Anton Differing. The only big surprise is with Anton Differing playing a Nazi in, in, in Doctor Who is that he agreed to do it. Uh, but apparently, he was <laughs> over. He was over for Wimbledon. <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful! Because that and was his, just, that was his last acting role. So it was, yes. But basically, just, uh, he'd, he'd do. It. I'm over Wimbledon. Look, I'll give you a week of like myself <laughs> as well, because it's all on location. Uh, yeah. But it was they. But they had an um, uh, an American camera crew following them around making that. So there's a lot of um, footage that survives uh, from that story, as you've got people following. But yeah, it's all, it's entirely on location. Uh, wow. that story in and around Arundel uh, and what is now um, sort of Canary Wharf mm. uh, before it was redeveloped but yeah anyway, oh, that's, wow. uh, and, anyway that's Anton Differing that's Anton Differing's long and highly illustrious career uh, what about um, uh, Lady Mary McGriff that's uh, that Francois Christophe have I used that enough because she gets an and credit so she, she does play, yeah she's famous so yeah, so she's in a, a French version of the Three Musketeers, which is um, isn't the Three Musketeers? Shouldn't you say like they're just the Three Musketeers because it is French? It, it is, but I'll just, you know, I, 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 I didn't want you know most people are going to. I assume are they going to go to uh, the, the Richard Lester uh, classic or I don't know one of the terrible nineties versions, maybe? Um, but yeah, there is a sixties version uh, in in France, which uh, I'm going to assume was was well known um I, i'm very bad on french cinema so i'm probably the the wrong person to ask but certainly yeah had a sort of a very long and and storied career i did just want to mention anton differing uh we, we might come back to him at some point because he is in one other kind of 
pretty key jello, which is uh, the iguana with the tongue of fire, which is the jello that's set in oh. Dub- Dublin. Uh, <laughs> Shit, known for its iguanas. Yep, and also uh, again, it's set in the- Dublin. Is, is it set in Dublin the way this is set in Scotland? I mean, I think they did some location shooting in Dublin, and then a lot of like chinna chitta interiors. Um, but yeah, it, it does have Luigi Pastilli as an Irish cop. So we might have to do that at some point. In fact, that's Ricardo Freda, who's the other big, you know, Italian Gothic guy who did the odd giallo. So we, we might have to come back to that one. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> what? Um, fantastic. So, um, well, I enjoyed that um, very much. Not always for the right reasons, but that's half the fun uh, of, of, of doing this. It's, uh, it, it's, and it's also, it should be said, no one's taking it overly seriously. It's not, no. pretending, it's not pretending to be anything it's not. I, I, um, feel, I feel like most of the cast know exactly what yeah. movie they're doing. And Indeed, they're, yeah. they're pitching their performances, you know, just, just right. I mean, yeah. you know, Anton Differing's in... The beast must die. He 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 knows he knows what he's doing. He's you know <laughs> the film with the werewolf break. Um, <laughs> so what's next? Uh, well, I'm glad you like this one uh, oh, because oh um, so we're, we're, next time we're back in the 1980s. Okay, we are doing the less talented barber Lamberto Barber uh, mm. made a quintessentially 1980s Jello called Delirium. And that is where we are going next. Delirium. I look forward to it very much. Until next time. Until next time! No. No. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash due signori where you'll get early access to episodes for a mere pound a month due signori in giallo is edited and produced by me dave thomas until next time goodbye